This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. Well, the weather down here, of course, is the talk of the town. But in the backcountry, we know it has been a dangerous situation for the last couple of weeks now. Pretty hazardous conditions. Uh, We were talking with Gordon McDonald earlier about North Shore Search and Rescue being called out when a couple of hikers on the Grouse Grind got off trail, uh, got into trouble, had to be rescued. We also know that two people are dead after two separate avalanches in as many days. And this happened near Whistler. Global BC's Nadia Stewart has more on why this has been an especially dangerous winter in BC's backcountry. What was supposed to be a weekend in Whistler, now one spent closer to home. Concerns over current mountain conditions, prompting North Shore Rescue Team leader Mike Danks to change his Saturday plans. And out of an abundance of caution, he's hoping others will do the same. All the search and rescue teams in this south coast here have been very, very busy lately. The conditions are not good for rescues. It has not been a good start to the weekend. A size 3 avalanche off Blackcomb Glacier killed one person and left another injured. According to Squamish RCMP, there have been multiple calls for help over the last few days, leading Danks to put out an urgent warning. If someone finds themselves in trouble this weekend, it might take a while before rescuers are able to get to you. An avalanche forecast has to be done for that specific area, and we need to get members up to the mountains, um, and they need to navigate through avalanche terrain to get to those potential spots. So you could be looking at potentially no one coming today at all, and not until tomorrow morning. Here we're looking at a picture of the avalanche that occurred yesterday afternoon. Wayne Flan posts regularly on his blog about avalanche in Whistler and along the Sea to Sky Corridor. He says people need to arm themselves with the right gear and the latest information. And even then, there's still a risk. You can make a relatively good decision, but people sometimes don't realize that it only takes one small incident in all that decision-making process to create an avalanche. On Saturday, Whistler Search and Rescue alongside RCMP were called out to a slide in the Brandywine Bowl area. Avalanche Canada says the risk is considerable at the alpine level and moderate at the tree line in the Sea to Sky Corridor. The story right now is that the wind is blowing from the north and the east, which is not typical. Storm expects the situation to change over the coming days. Nadia Stewart, Global News. So that's just here, though. Weather-related headlines are happening all over North America right now. So we had our own kind of snowstorm to deal with the last 48 hours and updated forecast, of course, coming in the news in just a few minutes. But it is kind of raining in downtown Vancouver, I would say, right now. But it's a mix of rain and snow in most areas around Metro Vancouver, probably snowing uh, more so out in the Abbotsford-Fraser Valley area. If you are still seeing snow this morning, let me know, simi at cknw.com. 
gmail.com. That way I can pass that on to everybody. But that is nothing like what we've had over the last couple of days, nothing compared to what's going on in the United States today. They're having what's called like a coast to coast winter storm. You know, whether it was from Oregon, lots of snow that they got in the southern Washington area, Washington State Oregon, and all the way down to the border, actually. They have this very cold weather pattern. Right now, they've got two and a half million people without power in the state of Texas alone. They said it, according to the National Weather Service down in the U.S., at least 150 million Americans are under ice or winter weather advisories. That's a lot. That's about half the country right now. There was a 100-vehicle pileup in the state of Texas because roads were so icy. I saw some of the video from that, and it has been crazy. The National Weather Service actually put out a statement where they said the time to prepare for this storm was yesterday. And a lot of people did not. So now they've got a lot of a lot of problems. 11 inches of snow in Seattle alone. Uh, a record low temperature was set in one part of Minnesota. And now you're seeing, they said, the more snow in Texas than they have ever seen before in Texas history. That, according to the governor of Texas, uh, Greg Abbott. So yeah, big weather problems in the United States. They also have a day off uh, today. Today is President's Day in the U.S. Uh, so hopefully that'll help a little bit in terms of keeping people off the roads. But man, it is a mess down there. This is Mornings with Simi. No weekend off for Reggie Cicchini, our Global News Washington correspondent who joins us now. Hi, Reggie. Good morning. You have been busy. So the impeachment trial continued on the weekend. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, look, in a nutshell, it trialed, it continued, and it wrapped up. Democrats tried to do a last-minute twist of throwing some witnesses into the mix. It led to a bit of a delay. At the end of the day, they didn't call witnesses. They read some new information into the record. The vote went off. It followed party lines mostly, but seven Republicans did join in with Democrats. 57 voting to convict. Not enough, but the most bipartisan impeachment in U.S. history. Okay, so there was some something that happened there about witnesses, no witnesses. Like, what was that all about? So essentially what happened was uh, there were some new developments that came out regarding a phone call with Donald Trump and the top ranking Republican in the House that was ongoing during the riots. And essentially what a Republican lawmaker understood because she had knowledge of this phone call was that Trump pushed back on a request for reinforcements, saying that the people rioting at the Capitol must have been more, you know, uh, uh, protective of the election than Republicans were. Obviously, that led to some uh, distress. Uh, the reinforcements did not come and Republic uh, Democrats wanted to speak to this Republican to try and sway some minds. Obviously, again, it set off some fireworks. It went to a delay. There was a fear that it could delay the trial even longer. So at the end of the day, they just took the new information and put it on the record. So it was there going forward. Okay. And so then once it was all said and done, Mitch McConnell made some comments and yet he, I thought it was really strange, Reggie. So because he was saying he actually believed that pre the former president was morally responsible for this, but what not legally responsible. So here's here's where it lies. Republicans, especially senior major uh, senior Republicans in the party, were 
insistent that this was not the venue to be holding this in the first place, uh, saying that it was unconstitutional. Now, because they say that, despite the fact the majority of the Senate decided it was constitutional, people like Mitch McConnell said, look, Donald Trump is responsible, but we shouldn't be dealing with this in an impeachment court in Congress. Let the criminal courts deal with this. So really what he's saying is, look, Donald Trump was responsible. We can't get rid of him because he's no longer here. Let the criminal courts deal with it. And if that's what gets rid of him from the party, well, then so be it. It's out of our hands. Is that, do you think, what's actually going to happen now? Is there any kind of a GOP effort here to purge Trump from the party? Well, it depends on what part of the GOP you are in. Someone like Lindsey Graham, within hours of the impeachment being over, was out there saying MAGA is alive and well and Donald Trump is the most vibrant member of this party. So people are still marching lockstep behind him, but there are criminal investigations underway in Georgia, criminal investigations underway in New York, potentially in Florida. So what this means is that even though Donald Trump has a strong loyalist part of the uh, of the Republican Party and in the Republican base, there is still a, an option here for him. Him to be removed, and that clears a path for other Republicans who may want to become the new leader of the party. Right. Do you think that's a lot of what was going on there? Was there some jockeying going on about what's going to happen now? What is the future of the Republican Party? Yeah, look, it's 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 a big question right now. What is the future of this party? Where do they want to go? Do they want to stand behind Donald Trump and hope that the base remains uh, ever present? Or do they want to look down the road and say, look, Donald Trump is a cancer for this party. We need to move away from him. There are more conservative GOP members than there are Trump loyalists. The Trump loyalists, however, have a louder platform and louder voices, so they're often heard more. So they've got some soul searching to do. They've got a couple of years to do it. Uh, if they can try to figure it out before the midterms, they could try to figure out a way to steal back the Senate. It looks unlikely but they've got to figure this out. So because there's no more social media for the former president, hard to know, right? I guess what he has said about all of this. I know that Lindsey Graham said that he had talked to him. Well, look, Lindsey Graham intends to go down there this week. The Senate's on a recess, and he said that he's going to go down there and try to pick the brain of Donald Trump. This is somebody who's not been afraid to show that he is a loyalist. In the days after the riots, Graham tried to push back and distance himself. But now that there's been an acquittal, he can put himself back firmly in line with Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy, who was on the phone begging for reinforcements, flew down to kiss the ring not long afterwards. So there is still a, 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 a segment of this party that will line up behind Donald Trump no matter what they say. We'll have to see where that goes. Donald Trump does have surrogates that can go out and speak for him. So even without social media, there is a voice that speaks for Trump. It just really is remarkable that like that's he's gone, but not fully gone yet. What, like I've yeah. never seen a former president take this kind of role before. Well, there's never been a former president who continued to kind of pull the strings on a party like they've done. Sure, people will say that is existed in the past, but this is a this is a party yeah. right now where the majority of the base still lines up strongly behind Donald Trump, and they will do anything. Look, we're still seeing fencing and security around D.C., and it could be here for months because there's still a fear. Well, Reggie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. This is Mornings with Simi. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
We know there's been a big concern about what's been going on in the backcountry, risk of avalanche, and then you've got ski resorts, the concern about the spread of COVID-19, everything that's going on there, and a recent uptick in cases, right? We know Big White's had an outbreak, uh, Whistler has had an outbreak situation, and now you've got this long weekend, right? So we thought, let's check in, see how things are going. Joining us now is the Mayor of Whistler, Jack Crompton. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. How has the weekend been in Whistler? Uh, long weekends are, are busier, COVID or not. Uh, so there are definitely more people here, but much lower than a, than a normal year. And um, it's been sad. As you probably heard, we've lost a couple of people in the backcountry. And it's a different year. You know, you're, we're facing COVID. We're facing um, a lot of challenges that, that, that haven't been there in the past. Do you think the message is being heated, Mayor Crompton, about you wanted people to be more careful about the APRE ski situation? Do you think that message has been getting through? Yeah, certainly it's a it's a completely different dynamic than it's been in the past as far as restaurants and, and APRE are concerned. Uh, we want that message as, as as loud and as clear as possible and want to keep asking people to change the way they do things to respond to our situation. But yeah, people are heeding the call and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And what about the concerns in the backcountry then? Is that, I mean, that's obviously a concern every year, right? About people skiing out of bounds and getting into trouble. Yeah, I would say the snowpack is unusually strange this year. I, I've been uh, talking to some of my friends who um, know more about it than I do. And uh, it's unstable in some places, but it's just different and and, and, and dangerous and, and, and really strange. So if you don't know what you're doing, you can get into trouble very quickly and very easily. Um, and so please, to everyone who can hear my voice, don't go where uh, you are uncertain. Don't go if you're uncertain and um, take a pass. It's just not worth it. And uh, even very capable expert backcountry people are are finding problems in the backcountry this year. And so I'm asking people to, to take a pass. That's so interesting. So what is it that they are community? Like, what's so different about it this year? Well, I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert, <laughs> so I think most people should should check in with you know those people um, who are like Avalanche Canada and and, and others. But um, there's a number of places where the stability it, it goes right to the bottom of the snowpack, and you can lose whole big chunks of of snow right down to the bottom uh, of where there's where there's dirt, and those are big slides, and they can take a lot of people with them. So. Um, it's it's variable. It's it's uncertain and it's challenging. Does it feel like oh boy, just one more thing for this year? Some days, yeah, for sure. Um, but I've been so impressed with our community and and British Columbians as we've taken it on. And um, I think for us as a community in the sea to sky, it, it's 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 hard to. Um, yeah, you're right. It's one thing on top of, of an already tough year. And, and mourning is, is challenging when you're exhausted, just like yeah. everything else is challenging when you're exhausted. 
That is so true. So we talked to you, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, when the numbers in Whistler kind of started to spike there. What kind of feedback did you get from, you know, business owners and people in the community in Whistler when that happened? Oh, I mean, everyone's wanting to do whatever they can to get to the other side of COVID-19. And so uh, people were quick to respond. They worked closely with uh, Vancouver Coastal Health and the Provincial Health Office and WorkSafe BC to um, to respond as they need to. But I think I all, we also heard just how tired we all are of this and how... Um, yeah, everyone wants to be on the other side of this. We want it to be done. Um, and I'm sure that is not uh, an unusual feeling. It's probably shared by everyone around the world. But um, certainly that was the sense I got from our community. We'll do what it takes, but we are tired. Oh, I think, yeah. So yeah. You could say that everywhere, right? Uh, everybody is so. very tired. But your, your community is different because that's the place where people go to for fun. Right, that's not work for for people who are going there. True, but I mean, uh, so I, the, the the businesses and the people who who work in tourism, I think, uh, have really risen to the challenge. And to be asked to to do more ten months in after you've been doing more for ten months is a big ask. And so I think uh, everyone was willing to do more, but certainly it was a challenging request to receive. All right. So this weekend, as you said, then it is, it does seem busier in Whistler, would you say? Than a normal COVID weekend, I would say. But uh, certainly uh, COVID has changed absolutely everything about our community like it has everywhere else. So when it comes to the backcountry, is that message being heated, do you think, particularly in light of two people losing their lives on the weekend? Whistlerites and, and people that live in the Sea to Sky love those mountains and love to get out there and they assume the risk when they go. And um, so I think that people who who don't uh, know those mountains in the same way, I, I hope we'll, we'll heed that uh, notice. I think most of those people who who do know it and, and, ha- and, and are experienced are, are still going and they're well-equipped to know when they should and shouldn't go. Are you confident that the numbers are going to be coming down in terms of cases for Whistler? Right now they are, but I, I, I sure hope that we maintain that high alert right now. We, we can't afford to drop our guard just because the numbers soften a little bit. They need to go much further in the right direction. Mayor Crompton, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's a pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Best of luck. Happy family day. (laughs) Same to you. That's Jack Crompton, the mayor of Whistler. Bunch of different issues going on in that community. We've talked to him a couple of times over the last few weeks, and they've got that spike in cases of COVID-19, which is a big concern. It's not the ski lifts that they're worried about. It's not the actual skiing that is the problem. It's what people do when they're all finished skiing for the day, and that is they sit around, they gather They party, they have some drinks together. That, once again, that socializing is what the problem was, particularly if they're, you know, Airbnb someplace and people getting together in a private home. That's been a big issue. So they've been trying to crack down on that and get that message out there. 
that's been working. Still, they've had more people than a normal COVID weekend, as the mayor just said. They're this weekend because it's a long weekend. So they're hoping people heeded those. But then they're also dealing with this backcountry situation. Recent uptick of cases of people heading into the backcountry with some devastating results there, too. Two people uh, killed over the weekend in an avalanche in that area. And you heard the mayor say that he's even hearing this from people who've uh, kind of skied that back area for a long, long time, that there's something different about the snowpack this year that just makes them very nervous. So even uh, more of a reason to be careful. This is Mornings with Simi. This weather the last 72 hours has made it very tricky out there for people who don't have a home to go to. Tricky and dangerous. Now, there are extreme weather shelters available in some parts of the lower mainland, but not every community has one. However, this weekend, there was one that started up. The Phoenix Society was operating a 20-bed extreme weather shelter in Coquitlam, and that started on Saturday. To talk more about that, Keir McDonald joins me now, the CEO of the Phoenix Society. Keir, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on this morning. And now I understand this was kind of a new partnership. How did this come about? Very quickly, but um, but it really dates back to last summer where it became uh, apparent that the service that had been operating in previous years, unfortunately, due to some of the restrictions from COVID, would not be available this, this coming winter. And so the conversations really started, you know, as far back as last summer, continued through the fall and into the beginning of the winter. And, uh, just, just could not find an available space to run this important service. And uh, all of a sudden last week, there was a little bit of media attention heading into this, you know, this serious weather that we've had the last weekend. And all of a sudden, we got uh, a few um, suggested sites that came through, and in particular from Mayor Stewart in the city of Coquitlam. And uh, within 24 hours, we had a confirmed location. We're all set up, ready to go for Saturday evening. So a bit of a whirlwind, but fantastic to get together. No kidding, 24 hours, that's amazing. So what was the uptake like? We've had a few people in the last couple of nights. Um, One of the big things, given it is serving the whole Tri-Cities, is really kicking in that transportation plan. Um, We're very lucky and fortunate to have support from the Hope for Freedom Society who's providing transportation uh, with some pickup points um, at Lions Park in Port Coquitlam, again at Lafarge Skytrain Station, and uh, we're looking to put together another stop for Port Moody. So really happy for the people we've been able to bring inside the last couple of nights. All have been extremely grateful to get out of that weather. Um, but not surprising, given how quickly this came together, that the word is still getting out there. And uh, we'll really be promoting, you know, this new location in the mm-hmm. coming week to make sure that, you know, there's growing awareness that this service now exists. Okay, so how long will this extreme weather shelter then be in effect for? So it'll be open um, up until the end of March, but it is activated when these extreme weather alert calls go out. So that's effectively when um, the weather is at or below zero, uh, whether, whether it's snowing, when it's you know pouring with rain. Um, but it can be deactivated should the weather improve. So if we start seeing weather that's you know five plus and no rain, um, it could be suspended for a few nights and then reactivated again when it gets you know back to zero. So. We're, you know, we're going to be, I think, largely activated heading into the beginning of this week. Um, you know, the weather does seem to improve for a couple of days later in the week, but um, it's kind of the nature of the program that we want it activated as much as possible because we know there's a need there. But um, ultimately, um, it will depend on the weather as to how many nights that will be activated until the end of March. So where is the location of this, Karen? How can people get there if they need that? 
Yeah, so it's being, we're being hosted very graciously again by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Coquitlam, up at their Robson Drive location. Um, we're open from 8pm in the evening to 7am, and transportation services are available through the Hope for Freedom Society from 7.30pm. First pickup point is at Lyons Park, um, then again heading via Lafarge Skytrain Station, um, and again, they've been really great doing a couple of loops the last couple of nights, and so... We are trying to add another location to the mix in Port Moody and uh, we'll be having further details about that released as we can connect uh, and arrange that pickup point. It must be difficult though, Kira, as you mentioned though, because you're talking about a large area, right? The Tri-Cities. Is it hard to even get the word out then to people who need this shelter that, hey, this is available? It is, you know, and that was the biggest piece is, is literally we only had the confirmed location um, Friday night, ready to start talking about it Saturday morning. So again, just trying to get it out through. There is only really one local shelter program, um, but the outreach workers, um, other you know, key stakeholder organisations such as the Share Society, um, you know, so making sure that this information does fan out. And then again, as you say, we've still got a, a huge geographical area that we're covering. So even once word gets out there, we've still got to sort of make those next steps to help connect. Um, and, and, and make ease of access, you know, available for people. And do you hope that this will last, say, beyond this next six weeks or two months? It's a good question. We, uh, again, this really sort of, this new program has popped up to support that key gap that existed. We did have no um, extreme weather program in the Tri-Cities. Uh, as I just touched on, we've only got one permanent shelter location in the whole Tri-Cities as well. And just last summer, um, another emergency response program was added, uh, I believe in July, again, operated by the Phoenix Society. So I, I know discussions are continuing as to extensions on that program to see, again, through the you know the COVID response and, and discussions with BC Housing, whether that continues. But, you know, we ultimately have upwards of 100 unhoused individuals in, in the Tri-Cities that still require housing and shelter services. So, we know it's well beyond the ability of one uh, shelter service to, to meet that need in the community. All right. Well, Kira, thank you so much for talking to us about it this morning. Well, thanks again for having me on.